Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the bigger picture. Now, there seems to be always something to worry about as an investor, but sometimes, despite the long list, markets find a way of still going higher. In fact, we've seen record highs in US stocks in recent weeks, and this is what some might refer to as climbing the wall of worry, which basically describes the market's ability to show resilience in the face of economic or corporate news that might you might expect spark a sell-off, but instead stocks push on higher. So let's climb our wall of questions with Ken Peng. He is the Head of Asia Investment Strategy for City Global Wealth Investments. Ken, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Always great to have you on. Now let's talk about what's happening in the markets these days. And we seem to always have no shortage of things to worry about. So how would you describe the level of optimism of investors these days versus last year, especially when you talk to your clients? Are they more worried or do they have less reason to be? Sure. Look, I think at the start of last year in 2023, right, there was quite a number of people who were expecting a, a recession to happen in uh, in the United States. And then, you know, we had the Silicon Valley Bank thing in, uh, in, in March. So that kind of cemented that pessimism. But then since then, it's been uh, mostly good news, right? So um, the U.S. economy is proving to be uh, far more resilient than the market gave it credit for. And most recently, you know, we saw the CPI, we saw the PMI numbers, manufacturing is finally, you know, I think seems to be bottoming. Real estate, housing, is, uh, construction is bottoming. So so it's, it seems that the, the, uh, the resiliency in the U.S. economy is still pretty robust. And um, so given that, I think the market or investors at large are more optimistic compared mm. to uh, you know this time last year, but that's also reflected in prices. So you know there you go. <laughs> I suppose there is reason to be optimistic when you look at the latest wave of earnings coming through. By and large, they seem to have beaten expectations. So is this sustainable? Indeed, yeah. So uh, I mean, looking at um, the S and P five hundred, right? About uh, I think. Uh, uh, Two thirds, more than a bit more than two thirds have reported, and eighty percent of those were beats, right? So, so that's uh, that's pretty pretty resounding positive, and uh, we continue to expect growth in earnings to broaden out this year, right? So last year, you know, S and P was up twenty five percent, but um, a lot of that was concentrated in just a few sectors, right? So among the eleven sectors, only four have positive growth in the S and P, and those are the you know tech, AI-related stuff. And this year, because we're expecting inflation, well, I mean, January not standing, inflation levels will be lower than last year. Um, rates, perhaps by the second half of the year, are likely to come down. And, um, and and growth staying relatively resilient. So so that's a little bit of a, a Goldilocks picture, and that actually gives us more confidence that we'll see more broad-based earnings growth this year. So there's reason to be optimistic uh, even now. Yeah, that's quite encouraging because folks who are bracing for a bit of a slowdown in the economy, but it does look like there is continuing to be more reasons for earnings to push through. So margins could be protected on that front. Yes, I agree. So on the cost side, like I said, right, so the rates and uh, and input costs uh, from inflation are likely to be uh, less of a problem. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, on, on the top side, we're likely to see uh, moderate growth mm. um, in, uh, in the top line. Okay. And we've seen markets hit record highs in recent weeks. Then the question now is starting to arise. 
are valuations too rich, perhaps in some pockets? You know, are we running ahead of ourselves in some places? Yeah, so since last October, when the Fed hinted that it wants to consider rate cuts, the market just kind of raised itself towards an early rate cut. Right? And, you know, at the start of the year, there were a brief period when January was uh, was was priced in as a potential first cut. And then it was March and then May and now June. Right. So our view had always been about mid-year, middle of the year mm. uh, this year uh, and about 100 basis points. And, and, and we're still sticking to that view at the moment because I don't think the Fed will change its mind just based on one monthly CPI data. So, so you know, when we get February, March data on, on inflation and employment, those will be, I think, more important as confirmation or or reversal. Right. So so I think, uh, you know, at, at this point, um, January data is kind of a you know foregone conclusion. So the market will be waiting at least a month uh, for for the data to prove the current trends wrong, right? So so I think it will probably see more volatility. Uh, from that perspective, you're likely to see the um, the equity side and the bond side both be more shakier compared to what what we had experienced over the past three months or so. Um, so so I think that's that's something that the market has to comes to grips with but you know ultimately will will interest rates end up lower uh you know at the end of this year compared to where we are now i think the answer is still absolutely yes yeah ken another topic that seems to be also on the forefront when it comes to investor worries is the u.s election so how do investors approach this um, landscape what should they be looking out for what should they be asking should they be waiting for the elections to be over so they know what policies are going to be in place so <laughs> this election is quite messy, right? So we, obviously, it's it's hard to tell um, who's going to win the White House, but much more important than that, it's it's hard to tell what the combination is between the White House and Congress and two chambers of Congress, right? So so it, I think it's going to be exceedingly difficult for whoever comes into the White House to control both chambers of Congress. Uh, Congress. So that means major policies are going to be more difficult, but. I think it's pointless to try to predict the future path of policies at this point, given so much uncertainty about mm. the politics. But I would like to remind everyone is that different from four years ago, both Trump and Biden are very much known quantities, right? We, we kind of know what they want to do, what they want to say. And, you know, whatever they say now, it's probably going to be mellowed out a little bit once uh, somebody takes office, um, and so, you know, I don't, I, 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 I don't think that this in, this election could introduce even more wild cards uh, into the uh, into the policies. And another part of the reason is that fiscal deficit and U.S. you know debt, right, federal debt is running at 124 percent of GDP, right, with six and a half percent deficit. There's far less room for uh, for uh, for the U.S. to conduct fiscal policy, whoever the new president is, and because of that, whoever the new president is will want to bring interest rates down, right? Because the cost of interest is quite significant now, some 12% of total spending, and is uh, scheduled to rise another 50% this year, right? So, so basically, it's eating up a lot of fiscal resources, and so. So I think these are still consistent with our overall views about low rates and how this moderation of growth and inflation is going to kind of uh, uh, keep this cycle uh, 
lasting a little bit longer. Mm. Um, and so I don't think the election really changes that overall view. Okay, so back to fundamentals and look at what is going to keep things going for a long term. And this is where I get your help, Ken. What should investors be focused on in terms of investing in the opportunities that are showing value these days? Where are you parking your money? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, our allocation, we, we, we are primarily risk managers, right? So we want to have diversified, balanced global uh, asset allocations. And I think at this point, point in the cycle that makes a lot of sense right so we, we want to be we want to be overweight in u.s high grade fixed income um because we're still expecting rates to come down eventually uh we want to be positive on uh, on on u.s equities but perhaps not so concentrated in the in the in the fewer mega cap winners but uh you know expecting a bit more spread out and i think um you know medical technology biotech uh, you know the growth portion of small and mid caps, um, and these these are li- likely to be uh, uh, sectors that 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 can do some catch up in this broadening uh, um, story. And then outside of the U.S., uh, uh, we we think that Japan continues to exhibit significant uh, uh, potential because you know it's being seen as the the primary channel to access Asia, and its governance reform and Earnings revisions, you know, these are still very positive, and so, um, I, you know, even though it's it's come to a some thirty four year high, uh, I think it is very su- well supported by these significant trends. Uh, these are some of the areas I want to focus on in terms of asset allocation. Thanks, Ken. So a great overview of what to expect in the coming months and the wall of worry that investors seem to be climbing. We've been in conversation with Ken Peng, head of Asia Investment Strategy for City Global Wealth Investments. Save Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.